when somebody <laughs> offers to order another person food, right? Uh-huh. Um, and you, you, we've both been there, and you just give out, like, a category, like Italian or pizza or whatever. It's typically polite and customary to order, like, an extremely middle-of-the-road thing. And you, hi- <laughs> you hide it behind, like, I don't know what you want. I didn't want to cause too much trouble, <laughs> so I got you, like, plain cheese or pepperoni or whatever. Right. But my parents, instead of doing that, uh, default to, like, the lizard brain of being my parents to, and I don't mean that, that's not, I'm not, that's not offensive, it's just the deep down <laughs> that's not part of them. not people. Yeah, the deep down part of them that knows me is like, I think I know, I think I've learned somewhere along the way <laughs> that Keenan likes olives. And so I'm gonna base my entire order for him who's not here <laughs> off of the assumption that I think he likes olives. So waiter, please bring <laughs> me- no. A mushroom, olive, and pepperoni pizza. Please and thank you. It's for my son, who's not here, but I'm fairly certain he likes olives. So that was the dinner I had right before Uh, recording this. Oh my god. (laughs) Why did I think... Why? (laughs) Why did I think that that was... The middle of your story was the perfect time for me to, like, try to blow on my hot tea and try to drink it? I almost spilled it while laughing. (laughs) All over my lap. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to Based on Books. Um, I'm your host, Keenan, joined by your other host. <laughs> Yvette. Yep. And, and um, this is a nice moment, actually, to say hi, everybody around the world who yeah. listens to us all over the place. We're actually pretty shocked about that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> what a great introduction um this is this I episode know. marks um the first in a a handful of the next episodes that are going to be focused on one book and one movie and uh today's movie and book is tuck everlasting and by natalie babbitt by natalie babbitt thank you we chose this book because we wanted something just completely different from the wide world of vampires, which has been mm-hmm. fun and delightful, and that we and one that we will return to at some point. But before this preamble ambles on too long, let's get into it. Um, Yvette, thoughts on Tuck Everlasting? Go. It was as magical as I remembered it, um, <laughs> and I, and I mean that sincerely. I really do. It was. Um, rereading this, I I read it when I was a kid, um, Mm -hmm. maybe like 12 years old at most. And, um, so this was prior to the movie coming out or around the time the movie came out, I'm sure. Um, and it was such a quick read. It's, it's really short. You guys, if you want to take a listen or if you want to read it, um, it's only like a couple hundred pages and it flies. It's one of those books that feels like you could read it in the time span that the movie takes place like the length of the movie is about as long as it takes to read this book oh yeah that is i mean we're gonna get into the differences and stuff between them but that was something that was so equal in the in the movie was just it 
it just flies. It just yeah. jumps right into it. Um, yeah. I will say, though, the the movie did touch on this a little bit, but, of course, in writing, uh, Natalie Babbitt goes right into some very beautiful, poetic sort of descriptions of mm-hmm. where this takes place. Um, there's a lot of talk about the you know the heat of late summer it's like or like of summer it's in august um somewhere we were guessing somewhere in like the southeast like maybe appalachia yeah it has a sort of appalachian feel to it it also has those early chapters have um a very sort of tolkien inspiration to them the way she describes Mm -hmm. the the sort of evolution of the forest and the the way that the when the tucks first found it it was this remarkable untapped insanely sprawling forest and right at the center of it is this like fountain of youth spring right mm-hmm. and so it has that um mystical fantastical element of of the tolkien's fellowship mm-hmm. to it as well that really nicely frames the whole it creates the whole backdrop of the of the of the book and i think right. the movie you know, captures aspects of that, especially since so much of the movie is narrated by mm-hmm. seemingly the author, quote unquote, right? Like what we who yeah. we can imagine is Babbitt or is writing directly lifted from the pages of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a portion of the book seems that way, too. You do get a lot of um, our main character is Winnie Winifred Foster Um <laughs> She who hates her name, by the way. But mm-hmm. um, so you get a lot of inner monologue and details from Winnie's perspective. But then you do have that third person who we assume is, yeah. yes, Babbitt. Um, and that's where you get all the beautiful descriptions of the woods and, you know, the the storms rolling in that you feel like it's going to come soon. And um, that third uh, perspective, that outer perspective that, you know, maybe the characters aren't seeing, but that you as that audience member or that reader along with Babbitt you know the the extra details of like ooh this thing's going to happen because we as the people on the outside with the reader or the the writer noticed it but yeah. those characters you know running through the woods didn't notice it <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of cool you get a little bit of that kind of um that uh extra like behind the scenes kind of look it's what it felt like to me yeah, a little um, bit. They feel very much like um, companion pieces, almost, the book and the film. It's. Uh, I titled my yeah. notes section for this book when we watched the movie together. I titled my notes, Tuck Everlasting, A Faithful Adaptation? Question mark. <laughs> and it seems like it might be. The movie starts great. It starts like a Disney film, uh, in that it is a Disney film. But it starts <laughs> with a wonderfully modern shot of i guess downtown tree gap america it's extraordinarily pastoral but the first shot of the movie is very modern which is great because it kind of sets up the whole framework and so you have like a honda civic (laughs) coming down this road and like regular people doing regular people things and you, you cut to a, a mysterious helmeted human being on a motorcycle cruising down the street. Who's it going to be? Ooh, I thought it was going to be our protagonist. Turns out it's one of the immortal children of the Tuck family. And then cut to, to May. May Tuck on her little wagon 
with her immortal <laughs> horse. And yes, the horse is immortal, which is I thought was crazy, but <laughs> that poor horse. And she's you know on route to the same little town uh, of Tree Gap. In, you know, in I guess the late it's like post Civil War, I think the book is. So it's probably like eighteen ninety mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, actually, I think it is like eighteen ninety or something because I I think that first that final shot of the the modern era is like supposed to be 1999 when the movie was made yeah it's 99 yeah yeah that's one of the things they changed right is the 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 framework of the movie versus the framework of the book the the time periods are slightly off and then it's sort of you just sort of see may on her little wagon doing her wagon business and then her sons come out of i guess a train station it immediately sets the characterization of the two boys. Uh, Jesse's the youngest. Miles is the oldest. May Tuck, like, because she visits her sons every 10 years, is the framework of them all meeting up because they're, you know, living their eternal lives and, and the boys are off traveling and the the older brother Miles has been um, a soldier in all these different wars and he, he has this sort of desire to uh, see conflict or or push the the human experience and and jesse is just like climbing the eiffel tower and going on long swims and but they but they reconvene in the book winnie is exactly 10 years old which Mm -hmm. um i think puts into perspective the like the love that she has for jesse in the book is sort of uh, an abstract, like, wow, he's handsome. What are emotions? I'm a child. <laughs> right. Uh, feeling. But the movie is um, a, <laughs> one of our favorite actors, Alexis uh, Bledel, <laughs> deep in the middle of, like, Gilmore Girls. So she sounds exactly like Rory Gilmore in every single line she says. And she also looks exactly like Rory <laughs> Gilmore because, I mean, it's the same actor. But it's her in the book or in the in the film who is and she is specifically like exactly 17 years old and and jesse uh just just younger than that i think yeah maybe she's like 15 or 16 or something but jesse Mm -hmm. has the great line where she asks him how old he is and he's like oh like 104 and then she's like bro what and she's like let's call it 17 (laughs) and so the the love in I mean, the, them falling in love is the plot of the movie. It just is. It's the whole movie. Is there right. the the love affair across time? And so the <laughs> opening shot of modern day uh, Tree Gap and Jesse on his cool motorcycle riding up to Winnie's, where Winnie's house used to be a hundred years earlier, is like it creates this enduring, like Titanic style love between these two people where one is you know, cursed to live forever as a 17 as an extremely attractive 17 year old who has the same face <laughs> as alexis bladell <laughs> and the right. other we, just... we should we should say that this is that that character is played by um oh my gosh jonathan jackson jonathan That's the actor's name. jackson mm-hmm. john jack and uh <laughs> john jack and alexis are um they're a match made in heaven because they look extremely alike in this movie. And that's <laughs> not an insult. Don't come after me, guys, please. <laughs> the book is very much not about the love between Winnie and Jesse. It's no. it, it comes up. <laughs> Absolutely, it comes up. But the book is really just a, a snapshot of the lives of this, this family that's 
you know, some say blessed, some say cursed, with mm-hmm. immortality. And uh, sort of the, the ways that they safeguard themselves against the world finding out about this secret of theirs. So why don't we start right. with that? Why don't we start with the, the family itself? Let's go through how, how the characters are in the book and how the characters become in the films. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> in the book, we have the Tuck family. Um, and as you already mentioned, there is Jesse. So the, the family is made up of, um, oh my goodness, what is his name? They call him Miles. Tuck, the father figure. Oh, Angus. I, I'm trying to, Angus, Angus Tuck. <laughs> Angus Tuck. Yes, I was like, oh, his name. But they never call him Angus. They just call him Tuck. Nah, he's so just Tuck. So there's the father. There's the father, Angus Tuck. There's May Tuck. And then there are the two sons, Miles and Jesse. Uh, Jesse, of course, being the youngest. And mm-hmm. um, so There's this like a difference family, of three, maybe like three years between, between uh, the two boys. I think like four, because I believe that Miles mentions that he is forever like 21, 22. Yeah. And Jesse he's old enough is, that he like gets married and joins the military. Yeah. 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 And is, so, he's old enough to be bitter is the difference between them. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That's an immediate difference already. Mm hmm. In yeah, the book. That's that's a movie. Um, that's a movie, brothers. That's the movie. So we're just yeah. I'm not getting into those details just yet, but the, we're establishing the people, so there you go. That's the Tuck family. And then on the other side of that, you've got Winnie Foster, who we said mm-hmm. in the book is ten years old, in the movie she's closer to like sixteen. Yeah. Um and she lives with her family. They're like a founding family of this small town named Tree Gap. They own huh. the woods. You thought we could get area. away from founding families, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we got away from vampires, but not not founding families of small towns, small backwater towns. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> okay, no one said anything about them being backwater, but they are an old town. Piece together the set. deep themes of based on books, y'all. <laughs> we love, we apparently we, love the Southeast and we love we a really founding love, family. We, we love, love a founding one. family. <laughs> And old towns. And bitter um, immortals. Can't, can't, I can't get enough of them. Oh my god, we do have themes. Yeah. Okay, so Winnie, Winnie lives with, um, with her two parents yeah. and her grandmother. Her grandmother yeah. is also present. Is present in both the movie and the book. But in the movie, the grandmother is really elderly and looks like she's, she is about to die. She's, she's very sick. She's extremely old. Yeah. In the um, book... Her grandmother's very present, and she's walking around, and she's the one that's calling after Winnie and making sure, like, yeah. she's behaving, and, you know, a very proper woman of, of the, like, late 1800s. Yeah. And therein lies the, 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 the sort of crux of the characters. The, you have this founding family with an only child, Winifred. The book starts with Winnie um, just, like, immediately wanting for something else she's she's 10 years old but she she knows that there's more to life than practicing the piano and standing upright she wants to climb rocks and and, uh, jump through trees and she wants adventure she wants to know what's out in the world she has um an exactly uh active imagination it's not yeah. over, it's not under, it's exactly active for a 10-year-old. So she befriends a toad at one point, and it's like telling this toad very matter-of-factly, hmm, I think I might run away. I could do really <laughs> well on my own. As a 10-year-old does, she um, is sort of like decidedly against that, where it's like, oh, you know what, maybe I won't run away. 
huh, I guess I'll keep thinking about it. But that's the mindset of Winnie <laughs> in both the books and the film. The, films, the film gets it right. The film has her a bit more because she is older. She sort of acts on those impulses and you have the the assumption that she is a bit of a troublemaker in, in like small, quiet rebellion ways. Like she plays baseball with the, the town's people at one point when she and her mother go in to buy bread. And she's in this like great 1800s dress, like hitting a ball <laughs> with a stick and running down bases. Yeah. Uh, and then her mom calls her full name and Winifred Foster and she like freezes and all these like street <laughs> kids are sort of like, oh, she's rich. We hate that. And so she gets back <laughs> in her carriage and goes home and is like pouting the whole time. Well, well, and, and you have to remember that in the movie, well, in both, her family basically owns the town, mm -hmm. you know, they're the mm -hmm. ones that made all the money. They established themselves first and that's where the town yeah. was created. And so, yeah. And they made their money specifically cutting down the forest on, in which lies this fountain of immortality yeah so you know they they created the town basically, basically. which winnie has grown up hearing in both mm -hmm. the book and in the movie um yeah. i think as you were talking earlier about just you know she is she's grown up a specific way in the movie i think yeah. the movie went out of its way because she was older to show you that there was reason for her to want to leave. It was stifling. You know, you, you yeah. have images of her playing the piano and, you know, being, like, pushed into a corset. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's very all very stifling for her. And in the book, it's just kind of, she just wants adventure. And she's yeah. just like, maybe I'll do it. And they um, both, both versions kind of just, the next day, she just decides, you know what? Why don't I just step out? And she does. <laughs> she just does yeah. it. Well, the, the, in the movie, specifically, she runs away in a huff because her um her family sits her down and is like you know it's about time you made something of yourself so we're sending you to boring women academy where you can go learn <laughs> how to be a boring woman and she's like a oh, rumpf i don't want to do that and so yeah. she runs away i don't remember the name of the of the school they're gonna send her to but it's basically right it's it's just a reform school for girls yeah. it's it's like a very proper you're yeah. going to be a young lady and it amounts to the fact that yeah she is the heiress of the with the foster estate and she's you know she shan't be playing street ball while her mother has to buy tea cakes, like she has to go be reformed, and that uh, upset upsets poor little Alexis Bledel, and she f flees into the woods, um, and immediately gets lost. <laughs> right. Same thing happens in the book. She just yeah. it, it, not not the whole reform school thing. She just decides the next day. You know, I could just mm -hmm. step out and let's see what happens. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. But it's more of a in an in an odd way. I think the ten year old version of Winnie is um extremely pragmatic for a 10 year old mm -hmm. where she does yeah. she does very much just decidedly step out and she's like i think i'll go for a walk to just sort of go out and and you know explore a little bit be a child whether it's a 10 year old or a, a 16 year old just sort of be a child out out in these woods that her family owns and so she doesn't immediately have like a feeling of danger or anything like that to her the whole world is her backyard Right. right. She's been told always that this is her woods because she's going to own it someday. Yeah. Um, but we do have to go ti a tiny bit back because, yes, we said all of this. She already ran away, but rewind to when <laughs> the night the before she's like, I'm going to step out. In both the book and the movie, 
She's just out in the yard trying to catch, like, fireflies or lightning bugs, mm-hmm. whatever you call them. And she says that this man shows up out of nowhere mm-hmm. at the gate. And um, I think the movie did it really well. Um, this man in this, like, ye- like mustard yellow suit with this hat and this little beard, played by Ben Kingsley in the movie. Um, and this guy's just, like, you know, stopping by. And he's like, hello, what are you doing? Oh, I used to catch fireflies when I was a kid. And she's just like, uh, hi, stranger in the darkness. And he's like, hey, so how long has your family lived in the area? Do you, do you have any idea? And she's like, well, forever, basically. My grandma used to be a kid when they moved here. Um, he's just getting information out of her. He's looking for a family, but he's kind of cagey about it. And he's kind of weird. And yeah. the grandma in the book comes out and she's like, Winifred, who are you talking to? In the movie, it's her mom. Yeah, like, but it's basically, uh, they basically say the same thing. The exact same thing, right? They're like, yeah. who are you talking to? Who is this man? And she's wow. like, oh, I don't know. He just asked, you know, about some Ooh. stuff. And he gets curious with the grandma or the mom and is like, hey, they, she tells me that you guys have been living here forever, she says. Have you perhaps, I don't know, heard of a family around here, you know, by the name of Tuck? Does that ring a bell? And both the women in both versions are kind of like... Mm, no, we don't really nope. talk to other people, and we certainly don't talk to people in the dark. If you'll excuse yeah. us, we let's don't go consort back inside. with strangers. Is basically right. what they say in the book. The as they're going inside, they hear a tinkling melody that just like fills the air, and all of them stop. And the grandmother gets really excited, and she's like, "Winnie, it's the elf music I told you about." Oh my goodness, oh, yeah. it's that's the music. There Let me, oh, your father. Let me tell your father. He will be so excited about the elf music I've always told him about. And the man is like, you've heard this before? And she's like, yes, it's elves. Come on, Winnie, let's go. And they just like hurry on inside and the grandma's all excited. And this man is like, hmm, interesting. And he just kind of like whistles the little tune to himself. Presumably he just walks away. In the movie, that doesn't happen. But he walks away whistling this fun little tune. Um, I say fun like it's jaunty, but it's just this beautiful little melody. It's simple and cute. Yeah, I'd say it's it's jaunty. It's exactly what a tune coming from a a wind-up music box (laughs) would be. It's very tinkly. And so they go away. And that's the first time you hear the tune in both book and movie. Um, Mm -hmm. So then eventually when Winnie runs off and is in the woods... um, well, you know, that just, it's just a thing she has on, on the brain, right? Yeah. Um, Winnie's just wandering around and she gets lost. And eventually she comes upon a small clearing where she sees that there's this, uh, this boy who's just sitting at the roots of this giant tree. And he's just like washing his face and drinking some water from this little spring at the base of the tree. How casual. I know, casual, so casual. But a casually, extremely attractive young man. Right. Uh. He has no clue that she's watching him. He's just, ah, you know, drinking some water. He's having a great time. He's just having a, he's right. home. He's home for the first time in 10 years. He's just trying to take a sip. Right. And at this point, for all we know, he's just some random guy who was in the woods and took a, you know, just stopped for a little bit of rest. Yeah. But it's obviously Jesse Tuck. And right. um, he comes up he he is come upon by i by winnie who is in in, exhausted right she's in the woods and she's lost and she's tired and she sees a cute boy 
and more importantly, what looks to be a really refreshing spring of water that she could potentially sip from. Jesse is kind of a empty head, no thoughts character a little bit, <laughs> at least in this moment, where he doesn't really have a reason, a valid reason to tell her not to drink from the water. And so in the movies, in the movie, it's this awkward, like, whoa, 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 whoa don't, don't drink from there. Uh, that's poison. And she's like, bro, what? You just washed your whole face with it, and I saw you drink some. It's obviously not poison. Yeah, but like, uh, my stomach's hurting a little bit. And it's so, it's, it's, I mean, it immediately kind of sets up their little back and forth, the, the young romance to be. And in the movie, we also get an earlier shot before this moment of all the tucks at home and they're kind of talking and, and there's like rumor a buzz because the boys mentioned that they had been followed by this, an, an odd man who seemed acutely interested in them and this is before you sort of meet the man in yellow but they come to a consensus in that scene that it's like oh we gotta we gotta guard the well or some we gotta guard the spring we can't let normal people see the spring y'all and then it hard cuts to Jesse, like, washing his face in it and just sort of <laughs> being a child. And uh, and it sets in motion um, a chase scene in the movie in which uh, he, like, doesn't effectively convince Winnie to not drink from the well. She still doesn't, but Miles shows up and he's like, hey, we're supposed to take care of strangers coming too close to this here spring. And uh, and they sort of chase Winnie and it ends in this in this awkward sort of chase sequence that the film has as whereas mm -hmm. in the books it's very much just like she's approaching the spring and may tuck comes out of literally nowhere on their immortal <laughs> horse and scoops her up and just puts her on the back of the horse and is very casual like oh you're gonna come with us now and uh and it's gonna be okay we're gonna go together and that's that's yeah. sort of it <laughs> yeah um miles shows up and he's just kind of casually like oh ooh ah we gotta take her. Oh no, we gotta uh -huh. take her back to Tuck. Ah, how do we do this? Okay, let's just go. And, you know, let's in both go. situations, Winnie is just like, what? 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 What's going on? And in the book, it's this great, you have this great sort of internal monologue from Winnie while she's on the back of this horse, just being like, huh, I guess this is what it's like to be kidnapped, huh? Wow. <laughs> okay. I guess it's okay. They seem kind of nice. And it's very... It's very funny that I keep coming back to how pragmatic 10-year-old Winnie is versus um, lovesick 16-year-old Winnie in the movies. Right. In the movie, yeah. Um, and in the in the book, while they're, you know, awkwardly being like, oh, it's okay, child. Oh, my gosh, we're so sorry. Uh, you just have to come with us. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, we're so sorry. They um, ride onto the road, onto the main road, and they pass the man in the mustard-colored suit. And Winnie briefly sees him, but as they're going by kind of quickly, May throws some casual thing, like, oh, just taking our little girl riding. <laughs> Nothing to see here, basically. Um, and it says that this man is just kind of staring after them, like, huh, fascinating. And then it just continues with them riding away, presumably, back to their house. In the book, they do stop uh, by the by a river for a little bit before getting to the actual house because it takes a long time, as they describe it. And so they stop by the river and they just start just babbling 
the entire story about how they came to be uh, how they are. <laughs> they don't even wait to be with Tuck. They just start telling her everything. They're at a loss, right, of how to describe uh, anything that's happened to them ever. And it, it, it has that great passage in the book where um, it's the first time they've ever actually told anybody the, the whole story. And so they feel very... In the movie, they're, like, forced to tell her because they have genuinely kidnapped a young woman <laughs> and, like, brought her... In the movie, they bring her all the way home and the four, yeah. and the four of them kind of pass around the story and yeah and it's much more somber in the movie it's extreme well yeah the movie leans into like the tortured soul of miles who can't die but wants to um yeah but the book is like they're all sort of rambling about it about how they were you know fleeing town or not fleeing town but they were like traveling (laughs) to start a new life and they're all very tired one day while traveling and they come upon this you know grove in the middle of the forest and they just think they don't think anything of it and they all sort of dip their hats and they wash their face and they they take a they they take a, a nurturing sip of fresh cool water from this spring bubbling up through the roots of this old tree and the horse drinks too but the cat doesn't uh that's important which is is, yeah that's important it's kind of sad but yeah it's important that the cat doesn't drink um and you know (laughs) then they just sort of they carve a big t for tuck in the in the the trunk of this tree um for some reason just you know to mark i think to mark where they were yeah um and then they move on and uh (laughs) the weirdness starts when um jesse our rambunctious youth climbs a tree and falls out of it and lands squarely on his neck and should be dead, but walks it off. He, he gets up and shakes it off before his mother can even muster up a good cry about it. And that's, uh, they say that in the movie. It's quite good. Um, and then it's sort of the oddness just sort of continues from there where at, at one day, some hunters mistake their poor horse for a deer and pump it full of buckshot, but the bullets just go straight through, and the horse is just sort of like, huh, okay, I'm a horse. That's weird. And, like, it heals itself. It just, it heals nothing itself. happens. Yeah, um, the deciding moment is, um, the cat dies. The cat lives a grand old life, and, uh, and passes on, and none of them have changed a bit. The way it, it seems to work is, uh, they're frozen, like com- fully and completely in the moments they are so so jesse is eternally 17 years old miles is forever 21 the parents are the age that they're always going to be and they look that way too i don't you know there's not there <laughs> there's not a lot of deep lore they work yeah. normally they work like normal people they just yeah. don't get sick and they don't get hurt in any way they just cannot die yeah. They established themselves in, in this... They were trying to, like, start a little farm, and they did. And yeah. then Miles gets married, and he starts a family. And, you know, then all the, the weird stuff starts happening. All the falling out of trees and stuff. Tuck gets bit by a rattlesnake, and nothing yeah. happens to him. And people start to sort of notice. Namely, uh, Miles' poor wife and kids. Uh, Miles and his, and his wife, um, they're married for a number of years. Because it says that they have two kids... They have Bo and Anna, 
and the kids start growing up and his wife is starting to get older and she's in his in her 40s and Miles still looks like he's in his early 20s. Yeah. And eventually the people around this small little town that is starting to form in the area, they start to get really suspicious too. And so they all kind of whisper about witchcraft. His wife is convinced that she, you know, he sold his soul to the devil and the whole family did too. And so she needs to yeah. get her family out of there. The film paints Miles as an extremely bitter man. He's so he's so sad that his wife is gone and that his kids are old and that he's still he's still the same. He is decidedly exactly completely different than Jesse, who is just sort of, you know, he wants to see the world, right? And Miles is like, I don't want to see nothing because the one thing in the world, my wife and my kids are old and dead and I'm still here. That is all drama for the movie because yeah. in the book it is mentioned and it is like, oh yeah, that really sucked. Like it was, mm -hmm. it wasn't a good time for all of us and we had to move away. But it, that's kind of just what it is because at the yeah. point that they're telling Winnie this, uh, I mean, they mentioned that his daughter Anna would have been 80 by the time yeah. that they're telling Winnie. And so it's been yeah. almost a full hundred years since all of this happened to them. So they've had time to digest it and the miles... Miles and Jesse don't have that contentious relationship. Miles is not, like, embittered by time. He just is, like, yeah. they're, they're all kind of, um, like, children is what um, Winnie thinks. They're kind of childlike to her yeah. own childlike mind. I know, She's yeah. like, they're kind of like kids. Yeah. And, and there's this sort of amusement in it all for them mm -hmm. in the book, which I love. I think it's a really, um, I think it's a really fun way to look at, like immortality and these sort of heavy themes like tucked inside this children's book so in the book they they tell winnie all of this this big story winnie thinks that they're crazy and she's like ah it's a story and they continue on their merry way and they take her to this little house um and she describes this adorable little cottage it's right next to this big um like a pond it's the definition of cottagecore, y'all, yeah. is what it is, both in the book and the film. It's a, it's beat for beat like cottagecore. In the film, it's a lot bigger. It's a lot more homey. It's a house with a front porch that opens up onto a, a pond, and it's very much in the middle of these woods, very mm -hmm. secluded. And uh, the yeah. way they like it, the, the Tucks sort of learned from, they learned from the trials of Miles and trying to live alongside towns that you know people begin to ask questions you know especially when you when you straight up never die and when your horse never dies like you you can't really unfortunately you can't really consort with people but yeah they they've set up camp basically they set this little house um that they've been living in for the last like 80 years or so um it's even winnie describes it as even being cooler in this like grove of trees it's like really far out in the woods that yeah. are still left standing but, but she's still also... like weirded out <laughs> by being <laughs> in this place she's like i'm not supposed to be here well she was kidnapped to an right. extent yeah she sees a family that could not be more different than her own in the movie she you know it's kind of the first moment that she sort of begins to fall for jesse mm -hmm. uh it's the you know she <laughs> She changes out of her dirty old dress into, like, a petticoat or whatever, I don't know, eight, the 18 layers that people used to wear back then. Um, and she just sort of ingratiates herself in this family because, you know, she can't really go home. They tell her, oh, we're going to take you home tomorrow. 
they calm her down as best they can by telling her this whole story and it's, it's extremely unbelievable um and she's but she's sort of just taken by like the way they all eat dinner together and everyone's allowed to talk at dinner and there's like the big passing of food and there's always more than enough food and it, it's uh it could not be more different than her you know single child heiress to a fortune you sit up straight don't chew with your mouth don't talk with your mouth full don't talk at all type upbringing that she's used to the book does paint a difference there too she is very taken at first you know during the daytime by the cuteness of the of the little cottage and the way that the family is and how easygoing they are and the boys like jump into the pond and you know they're cooling off and then this is when she meets tuck um at the house and tuck is immediately like amazed mm -hmm. he's he he hasn't seen a real living growing child in almost a hundred years and he yeah in both the movie and the book he says this is like the most momentous thing that has happened to their family ever yeah the prettiest he's thing like, he's seen in 80 years is what he says in the in the book it's very it's so tender he's just absolutely yeah. like amazed by this little 10 year old who he, you know they're like she's gonna she has so many options she has a whole life to live and he's just yeah just amazed by like this child who it's is very living sweet. and breathing right yeah and they're everyone all just kind of like they that, are yeah it's she's like, a, like, like like she's a new toy <laughs> yeah and they all they all they're all so excited that she's get that she gets to grow up and like yeah. that they get to meet her in a moment and when she has a whole life ahead of her but then she starts to get homesick and she's like, I, I want to go home. And this is the biggest moment, in dif like difference between the movie and the book, hmm. where you really see that Winnie is a child. She yeah. is a, like a baby, you know, yeah. she's, she's 10. And so now it's gotten darker and now she's literally going to spend the evening at the stranger's house. And now she's like, I want to go back home. Yeah. I want to go with my parents. I don't yeah. want to eat. And, um. You know, she, she says, kind of like in the movie, but more like, I almost get the sense she wants to start crying, where she's like, yeah, absolutely. why don't you just take me home? And they're like, we, we will, we just, we need to convince you, like, why it's so important to keep the secret that we've told you about. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about it tomorrow again, and then we promise we will take you home. <laughs> the irony um, of that is that she's, because she's 10... If, if she was taken home immediately and then told someone, like, there's people in the forest and they drink from a well and they don't grow old, people would just look <laughs> at her like, yeah, you're a 10-year-old. That's exactly what, that's exactly, yeah, that's right. exactly what would happen, right? But, yeah. uh, but in, the in the movie, it's a lot more <laughs> dire of a thing of, like, we have to protect the forest. And, um, <laughs> and because oh. the, love, the love between Jesse and Winnie is played up so much, she, she never really has a, a moment like that of sickness, of homesickness. I know, Not but really. in the, she sort in of the book is immediately she, taken. Yeah, in in the book, she really does get homesick. They try their mm -hmm. best, you know, they have dinner, and yeah. then they're like, May offers her a, a change of clothes so she can, you know, be more comfortable. And she's like, Nope, I don't want to change. And she explains, like, Oh, you know, this is where our room is. The boys sleep up in the loft. We'll set you up right here in the, in the sofa. And, um, you know, here's your blankets, here's this little, you know, old cushion for your pillow. And Winnie does, it takes her forever to fall asleep because she wants yeah. to cry and she misses her family. And, 
Yeah. Then she she hears, you know, like, time passes a little bit. And then May comes over and checks in on her. And she's just looking at her. And she's like, you know, it's been so long since we've had a, a child in the home. And um, are you comfortable? Are you okay? Do you need anything? And Winnie tries to be really nice. And is like, no, I'm I'm fine. It's okay. And, you know, May's just like, okay, we're, uh, I'm just in there. It's okay. it's okay if you need anything. So she goes. And then she's still trying to, like, keep it together and... She hears noise again, and here comes Tuck, just standing over her, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, did I wake you up? Are you okay? Do you need anything? And yeah. everyone's, like, fussing over her. They're and checking like, in my... on her the whole time. Yeah, they're just so, yeah. like, we haven't had to have a, a person who needs things yeah, in a long time. Yeah, they're just excited. They're, they're so excited, and he's like, oh, but... my goodness, do you, do you need anything? And then he goes yeah. back to sleep, and then Miles comes over, and he's like, hey, yeah. um... It's, like, hours later, I guess. And he comes over, and she's like, oh, I can see, like, the pale light of dawn, right? Mm -hmm. And he comes over and whispers, and he's like, oh, you're awake. Do you want to go fishing with me? I'm going to, I'm heading out to the, uh, over on the water, and I'm going to try to catch some fish for breakfast. Do you want to come with me? And she's like, oh, okay, sure. And so they head out and, um, you know, they get into this little boat and there's more beautiful description of, like, the fog and stuff. And Miles tells her that he had a daughter of his own. That's where they have a little conversation about the family that he lost. And, you know, he's like... But Miles tells her. It's not... In the movie, Jesse tells her uh, over, like, a fire and a moonlit night (laughs) after they've been swimming all day and, like, falling in love. Right, it's, and Miles shows up, and he's like, "You didn't yeah. tell everything. We, it yeah. was so sad, and, and I lost framed, my family." And... It's framed as this like romantic conveyance of like deep personal truth about the family, right? Whereas in the like book, you... it's like we're going fishing, and I'm gonna tell you about my life, and then we're gonna it's... take you home, child. <laughs> it's really sweet because yeah. you see Miles as like this person who is so much older than his years, and he's just seeing yeah. this little girl who he's like. I had a little girl of my own, and I taught her how to fish. Yeah. Let's see if you enjoy it, too. That's really um, tender. That's really sweet. And and they have, you know, he shows her how to fish, and she feels a tug after a little bit, and they bring this fish up into the, the boat, and she looks at it as it's, like, gasping for breath, and she freaks out. She's like, throw it back in the water, throw it back in the water. And Miles is like, oh, oh are you sure? She's like, just throw it back in. And so he puts it back in the water gently, and she's like, I don't, I don't want to fish anymore. And I thought that was so interesting because this whole book is about life and death. And they talk later, Tuck mentions the wheel, right, of life. Mm. How we're all on this wheel, um, except yeah. for the Tucks. And it's just a, a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And this is another moment where I don't think Winnie has ever seen death, no. really. She's 10. Absolutely and so. Not. She's She's certainly never seen where her food comes from, (laughs) which is, I I, I think, decidedly important in this moment is she's she's doing more to get her own food than her family's ever done. And uh, and that realization that you have to kill to eat (laughs) is um, it's very overwhelming. Right. And also, she's been told this like fairy tale of these people who don't age and never Mm -hmm. die and never get hurt. And so she's been talking about, you know life and death and stuff and it's kind of all fairy tale and then she sees this fish starting to die in front of her and it horrifies her that any anything could die and right and she's 10 right (laughs) so she's like no please throw it back in the water and miles is like okay it's okay 
if you want, I'll, yeah. I'll keep trying. And then they just decide to just stop fishing and they go back home and, you know, everyone starts getting up and she says that, um, it was fine. They just had, they had just had flapjacks and bacon for breakfast and it was all good. Like no one had a problem with it, but they were like, oh, the fish weren't biting this morning. He's like, no, they just weren't. Yeah. Um, never once mentioned that, you know, Winnie was just like not about fishing. <laughs> no, he's very tender about it. Yeah, yeah, it was really sweet. And then, yeah. um, so they decide, you know, that they're gonna, they have a whole day doing stuff. And, um, eventually Tuck takes her back out into, onto the lake once again, or the pond once again to talk about, you know, really pushing the idea of why it's so important for her to keep the secret for her, mm-hmm. um, to herself. Um, and that, when I started reading that part, I came to the realization that this book um, really, really affected how I view death. Mm. And I didn't know that until I reread it as an adult. Um, But thinking back on when I probably read it, and I start to think about my thoughts on death and how I viewed death pretty much my entire life, yeah, I'd forgotten how much of an impact this book had on my thoughts on it. Um, because Tuck tells her all the same stuff, right? Of like the cycle that people are on and everything goes through it and we're all on a wheel and we just keep going. And could you imagine if like, you know, you're, you're in this place that the Tucks are in where they're stuck. Yeah. They're stones stones on the side of the river, but they're not, they're they're not affected by the tide. Right. And they just are sitting there. And everything else passes by them. They are not part of that. And he yeah. says that he would give anything to be able to, to jump back onto that wheel and, like, make room for everything else that's to come. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't get that choice anymore. And yeah. so he thinks that it's important for her to move forward and, you know, um, keep that to herself because it's a yeah. much bigger decision than what people might think it is. Yeah. And it's also um, it's also pushed on her in this moment, like you know where the spring is Mm -hmm. don't go drink from it yeah please like it's more real than just jesse's point of view of like i'm gonna climb every building and jump off the (laughs) eiffel tower or you know it's more it's so much more visceral than that you forfeit your place in the human race almost yeah that he you know in both the movie and i think in the book he says basically like it's not living what we do yeah you oh just kind God. of exist. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Of, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't be afraid to live your life. Instead, fear the unlived life. You yeah. Know? That's what he says to her in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I find that so beautiful because mm-hmm. I was so viscerally aware of it when I was reading the book. Is yeah. that it paints this, this cycle of life and death in a beautiful way. Yeah. It's not about, like, being afraid of death is never a thing here. It's just it's part of what has to happen. Um, I didn't know that this book had such a deep impact in how I view death and how I communicate about death. And I wasn't ready for that. I was like, oh, (laughs) I just thought it was a, you know, a children's book that I read a long time ago. And then I was suddenly, you know, it had such a deep, deep impact. Before and after that great conversation that Winnie has with Angus Tuck, while in the while in the fishing boat which is a moment that happens in both the book and the film 
the bulk of Winnie's time spent with the Tucks in the movie is her and Jesse falling in love. And it's very much a Jack and Rose kind of romance, you know, burns quick because uh, I think you and I did the math. Uh, the rough math of um of the movie <laughs> winnie spends like 10 days with this family <laughs> and <laughs> we, don't, uh, we don't know she said she says that she has no clue we, it feels yeah. like weeks it could have been days it's <laughs> long track. enough it's long enough that like a search party is developed in the town and and it's everyone's on immediate high alert and we'll get there because that's really the the final act of the film is um getting winnie back you know, her family, her, her family, the owners of this town come looking for her. Um, and the man in yellow absolutely gets involved. But before all that, we really just see the budding romance of a boy who can't die and a girl who wants this moment to last forever. He teaches her how to fucking swim, y'all. Like, it's very pretty. It's, it's, it's very... Uh, pretty it's very cute it's it's fun it's young love but it paints a decidedly different picture of the narrative in the movie where where the book tends chooses to focus on because winnie is a child it chooses to focus on the, the beautiful moments of talking about life and and death and acting as you know a, a sort of educational tool for young readers because this book really is for young readers um, mm-hmm. and, it, and so it's, it's a great inter, a great way to introduce these themes to a young audience. And, um, and the author Babbitt does a great job in, in the way she tells the story the, the, and how the pictures she paints, uh, and the way she chooses to present the themes of death and dying through this immortal, very sweet and tender family. And that's great, but that's not a film right the, the there's only so much of that that you can put on film and have it be uh lasting and so we default to a love affair and we default to aging up winnie so she's a bit more interested in jesse and it's great and uh and i i like the i like the love thing for what it is like i said it's very jack and rose and then it gets to a point where we cut away from the eternal splendor of the cottage life to Winnie's absolutely sick parents who have lost their child and are seeking any means they can to get back the heir of their family and also their only child. And that's where the man in yellow makes his move. In the movie, he paints himself as a a finder, so to speak, a, a an alternative from law enforcement where he's quite good at finding people and he has a strong hunch wink wink that they're looking for the same person he defaults to becoming the the sort of private eye finding them he's just he's just looking for them on his own so he he i think he goes to talk to the constable to be like have you heard of any of these people and he passes he passes by like a graveyard and he talks to the preacher and he's like yeah anybody by the name of tuck in these in the cemetery yeah, it's very. It's a good. It's a great moment where the, the the he like threatens the preacher for a moment. He's like, "You don't know what it's like to die. I could kill you right now." And it's like, "What? What's going on, man? Um, what if you could live forever?" Yeah, that's really uh, that's a really heavy thing to mention in a cemetery. Okay, moving on. Um, 
but it's great. He's a great antagonist. I love Ben Kingsley specifically in the movie. He 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 perfectly imbues um, a sinister edge to a man who's like he looks very jovial. He kind of looks like the brother of uh, Gene Wilder's um, <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like it has the same energy of like Willy Wonka's he, brother. Yeah, like he could burst out into song at any moment. Or, like, his cane could also be a sword. It's very... <laughs> it goes both ways, right? He makes for a fun um, antagonist. Uh, so in the book, Winnie's still with the family, and mm-hmm. it's literally just that one day. Yeah, yeah, it's, a quick, um, it's quick. The movie stretches it all out. Yeah, you don't know how much it is. But yeah. in the book, it is just that one day. Um, and she, when she goes out onto the pond with Tuck, it's, like, evening, and they're planning to take her back the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, when they passed the man um, on the road, he just followed them. And so yeah. he um, he shows up, I guess, at their house. Because when <laughs> when Tuck and Winnie come back from their big talk, uh, the family is like, Tuck, the horse is gone. And every, he's like, what? What do you mean the horse is gone? And they're like, yeah, somebody must have come by. And, you know, we didn't notice. And they just took the horse away. And everyone's just like, well, dang, um, we can't really do much about it now. It's getting really late and we'll just, we'll have to figure it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, which sucks because the, the horse is their only way of transporting anything, including yeah. Winnie. They're like, well, oh crap, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to figure it out tomorrow. We can't do anything about it now. Um, and so, you know, Winnie is just like, oh, okay, well, at least I'm going home. And, you know, they have more food and stuff and more there pancakes. is a tiny... Yeah, there is a tiny encounter with Jesse, which is nice. Um, the The romance is definitely not that big. It's very like she she's ten, so she thinks it's really he's cute, and she doesn't really have any words to describe what she no. might be feeling. No, she just kind of thinks he's pretty, but she can't even put that into words. No, not at all. Yeah, Jesse does have a little comment, um, which just kind of shows you his like weird way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. He's just so excited and fascinated by stuff, and he casually proposes to Winnie that, you know, maybe if she thinks this is fun, like, you know, maybe she could go back to the spring later if she wants to. And like, you know, they could go and have adventures together. Yeah. It's like when you're older, older and when you decide you you want to stop living, you could, uh, you (laughs) could take a sip and then you and I could live forever together. Yeah. And he just says this very casually, like kind of just, you know, maybe think about it. Like you You have the choice. You can take it in one of two ways, right? (laughs) It's extremely fucked up <laughs> a little bit to, like, force someone to, to freeze their life forever. But, like you said, and, like, it's been so made so apparent, um, the Tucks aren't just immortal. They're, like, frozen as who they were. And so Jesse is eternally 17, which is why he seeks adventure and excitement and climbing things and all this all this danger but he also doesn't think through stuff so (laughs) a comment like that is exactly what a child would say to another child of like oh you like this well well, well, you could oh take a sip and then we could be like this forever and it'd be fun we could live in paradise forever isn't that great like maybe think about it yeah i don't know maybe think about it and meanwhile angus is like girl (laughs) i swear to god (laughs) please don't do it i you better die when you're like 99 years old oh baby i swear uh (laughs) But it's te- either way, it's very tender, and I choose to default to the tenderness of it, and not yeah. the, the sort of four D chess. <laughs> like, 
it's yeah it's, I, I didn't yeah. think much of it and i don't no. want to but it's yeah. just he just says it as a throwaway thing and she's just like oh okay yeah. and she just kind of like feels a little like warm and warmth on her cheeks and it's just like okay that's it um and so this you know their horse is gone that's all they know and yeah. it does change back to the family and the man shows up at their house just like ties the horse up at the fence and mm-hmm. knocks on their door and he's like hey there um i know who took your kid yeah um it's actually funny enough a family that i was looking for um and he just like starts rambling off to them like he's it says that he leaves them like dumbstruck they're just yeah. like odd at him just talking and talking and yeah. he's just like you know what i can go find them you know i would really just love your woods if you could just sign your woods over to me that'd be great it's all i would need um <laughs> that's it i think that's fair and i can bring your kid back within a couple hours it is a a bit of a ride and if you want i can go you know talk to the constable he can back me up and we can go together and it's all peachy keen you you good and everyone's like yeah we just really want we really want our daughter back our 10 year old so yes (laughs) please do that but it's so it seems so odd the way it's done in the book like there's no no preamble no because he has a whole like 4d chess agenda in the movie where he's like already talking to the constable and the dad shows up to be like we think we think she was kidnapped and also my wife remembers this man who she talked to at the gate and then the guy's already at the station and he's like yeah it's this guy but it's 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 paced very well in the film you know Mm -hmm. it's and it him suddenly demanding the the woods be signed over as as recompense doesn't seem as, as out of the blue as mm-hmm. as in the book where in the book it's like a, a random sort of tacked on exchange and he just shows up at the house with the horse and is like yeah i'll do this for you but give me these woods please yeah and trust me why don't you so yeah and he just goes through the formalities of you follow this character through you know what he does he just goes yeah. through the formalities of oh he has to get the constable involved and this man is slow his horse is old and slow yeah and he's just like all right just gotta have this law enforcement man with me and he's like you know what i'll ride ahead we'll get there faster Uh, i'll meet you there yeah and this man's like ah all right you know sure yeah the man shows back up at at the tuck's place just again kind of out of the blue he just one day shows up and he's just like well hello you must be may tuck Mm -hmm. (laughs) everyone's like whoa how do you know who we are and he's just very very plain with them about you know i know about everything um by the way, I own the woods that you're in right now. Yeah. This is mine. Winnie, I've come to take you home. Everything will be great. We don't have to fight. You can uh, you can stay here. He um, unmasks himself, listeners, as the <laughs> true final boss, a capitalist. It's what he it's it's the game he's been playing this whole time. He wants to own the woods so he can own the fountain so he can sell it to people and just ruin the economy. Ay ay ay. If that's the that's the hidden secret of this book. The hidden agenda of the book is the capitalism, and yep. uh, he wants to set up a whole song and dance about this poor fountain of youth and sell it to the highest bidder. He's very clear in the book that he wants he wants to sell it off to people. He wants yeah. to sell the the water specifically to people, and he gives the tucks the the chance to say they'll be involved in the cell or they could work with him as they travel and show people the effects of the water and jesse's like you what you want to put us on display no it's terrible this is not what we're gonna do yeah i mean that's beat for beat the film too is um 
mm-hmm. the Tucks are uh, extremely against this idea. Uh, surprise, surprise. And um, in the movie, to further get what he wants um, and show them how serious the man in yellow is, he like takes Winnie hostage and has a gun to her head because she's the only one who can die in all of this, so she's naturally collateral. And there's this, oh. it's, it's this whole, <laughs> in the movie, it's this whole standoff, right? Where he's got, like, a gun to her head, and then all these sheriff's men show up out of the blue in the woods. And it's very much like, we gotta go. We gotta, we gotta go on and get out of here. And so Mr. Tuck, like, puts his kids in a boat, and they sail away, and it's just May and the man and Mr. Tuck and this sort of standoff, this final stand. And, um, <laughs> and May... Y'all, this part's great. May in the movie somehow gets around back of the man in yellow while he's like holding Winifred, and she picks up the old shotgun of Angus and just clubs the man in the back of the head, and he yep. fucking dies. And yep. it's a, it's 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 <laughs> so quick. And in the movie, this is the moment. <laughs> In which Winnie learns about the power of death. Because in the movie, she doesn't go fishing with Miles and witness a fish suffocating. No, she like falls onto the man in yellow as he's dying. And there's an extremely 90s awkward (laughs) moment where they like gaze into each other's eyes as the life leaves his. And the realization of death dawns on Winnie. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really creepy. It's, it's actually ex- really awkward. <laughs> it's extremely creepy, and it's extremely awkward. And it's, it, creepy it in, under- like, in, like, it, in a, a, like, a young lady falling on top of this older man while he's <laughs> Falling on top, yeah, of you Alexis know? Bledel falling not, like, on top scary. of Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Yeah, not it's, scary. I no. mean, like, this is creepy. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, and, um, but in that moment, Winnie, like, learns of the power of death. And uh, <laughs> it's, like, a slow motion fall, and I wasn't expecting him to die like immediately but yeah (laughs) yeah she just y'all may just hits that sweet spot in the back of his head that shuts off his life and um Uh, (laughs) and no more man in yellow but because all the sheriff's men were there with their guns uh they arrest uh angus and may for murder and they'll hang the next um, day or whenever, and that's <laughs> so, when their great secret is to be exposed. This happens yes. a little differently in the book. Yeah. The man in yellow actually threatens to have Winnie drink the water. Ooh. Which makes so much more sense makes, for me why... It makes like, so much more sense. Yeah. Because the same thing happens. May picks up the shotgun and, like, yeah. whacks him. Like, it says it cracks his skull. And But, but it's already... because, you know, he's been saying... Yeah. he's already said like hey you can have a share in this like i you know yeah. i'm trying to be nice and you can be involved and everyone's like no we're not gonna have you sell this water to people people won't know what they're getting into yeah, and we'll, yeah. we won't like display for you and he's like well then maybe i'll do it for win i'll do winnie you know she's young she can i can use her and and she's this 10 is for context and she's 10 she's yeah 10. yeah it's extremely he, so he's, more sinister He's threatening to use Winnie as his, like, guinea pig and to show her off. And so this is when May, you know, comes around back and cracks him on the head. The man (laughs) doesn't die immediately. But 
as this happens, that is finally when the constable shows yeah. up with his old horse. On his slow, old, not immoral yeah. horse. Yeah. Just in time to see May whack this guy on the head. Yeah. And he's, like, on the floor, and they're, like, he's he's still alive. And there's also this, ooh, there's this description of Tuck watching this man, like, as he's on the brink of death almost. And Winnie describes the look in Tuck's eyes as a man who is, like, thirsty. Like, like a, a person who hasn't had a drink of water, and he's, like, desperately looking at a glass of water. Mm, yeah, as he's watching this man on the brink of death like, it, it helped put even more into perspective how much some of these people i think if anyone in this in the tucks wishes they could die it is tuck in the book yeah it isn't miles and it's for a different reason he's just he just wishes for that like sweet release for the I, piece of it you know i get it I get, I get like, it. <laughs> he wishes he he wishes yeah. he had gotten old and got yeah. to peacefully back out of life yeah. and just because be for, like, all right, I'm done. He's like, oh, I, I'm gonna start my third act soon. Can't wait to be old and retired. And then it never happens. Yeah, and like maybe he, maybe that's why he's like, oh, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta savor the life leaving this man. And yeah. when he sees this. And, like, he's, like, dazed looking, and she reaches for his hand, and he, like, shakes it off. Mm-hmm. And um, this is when the constable is there, and he's yeah. like, well, I've seen what I need well, to see. no when matter what, to... <laughs> they're, gonna, they're gonna hang. And well, that's uh, the, uh, that's, that it, sets in motion the, the, the jailbreak. Yeah, they, they actually, um, the constable says, you guys better bring that man inside and make sure he doesn't die. Winnie, I'm taking you home. I'm going to get some backup. Didn't think I needed it. But if I come yeah. back and that man is dead, that woman is going to hang. And he does it's die very, while they're gone. <laughs> thank goodness. He dies. <laughs> the The constable comes back and promptly takes uh, Tuck and May to prison. But the boys escape. And, um, and Winnie, it seems, is thrown back into her old life, at least for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, goes back home. But she's so lovesick. Uh, in the movie that she just has to see him again he shows up at her window he does the vampire thing where he he climbs in through (laughs) her window Uh, we can't get away y'all but yeah that's when he that's when jesse shows up and he's like you got to help us break our parents out of prison Um, (laughs) because well and it's it's extremely rational if there was ever there's uh, jailbreaks are are valid a lot of the time but if there was ever an extremely valid reason to have a jailbreak (laughs) it's now because they're gonna hang them and they're not going to die, and it's going to be extremely awkward, and it's going to do exactly what the man in yellow uh, wanted. It's going to draw more and more attention to the eternity of these old people, of these people, and um, and the heat's going to come down looking for that fountain of youth. So, you know, you got to break them out before the, before the hangman comes to town. And it's very well done in the movie. It's It's another moment that's sort of, like overly overly actiony similarly to the chase scene earlier where it's like the boys don these capes and they like walk through town late at night and they draw swords and they play upon their immortality because this like deputy is shooting at them and they they get hit with bullets and they get back up and they basically just scare the pants off the one man guarding the prison and he just runs away they lure him out by using (laughs) winnie 
Yeah. Um, the, she like run. She gets out of her house <laughs> yeah. and she runs into this like into this uh, sheriff's office or whatever, and she's like, yeah. "Help me! They've come back for me!" And he's like, "What it's, are you talking about?" And she's like, "The people who kidnapped me." It's a great. It's a great moment of um of how powerful a uh, young white woman tears can be. <laughs> Because this man doesn't ask any questions. He's just immediately like, are, are you a young girl? And you're crying? Oh, boy. And <laughs> and she, you know, takes the key and unlocks the cells. But not before this man has the absolute pants scared off of him and just sprints <laughs> out of town. Like, doesn't ask any questions. He just doesn't... runs. Yeah, he shoots both th- both the Tuck children and they both get up and continue advancing toward him with swords <laughs> and he's like you know what <laughs> i'm not making enough for this and he just yeah. runs out of town and we never see him again <laughs> this uh, town doesn't need me this badly. yeah <laughs> yeah i like my life and um and it's i mean it's as seamless a jailbreak as if um billy the kid could do it you know uh, <laughs> And of course, you know, they've got their wagon hitched up with the horse yeah. that they got back and yeah. they jump on it and then they have and this of course the romance comes back. There's mm-hmm. like a storm already coming into town. <laughs> yeah, they're forehead to forehead <sighs> while all the both the parents are like, Jesse, we gotta go. He's like looking into the deep eyes of Alexis Bladell and he says the great line as he jumps on the wagon, he says, I'll love you until the day I die, Winifred Foster and then the wagon yeah. rolls off far into the future and you know cue my 12 year old tears going but that means he's never gonna stop loving <laughs> her because he's gonna... never gonna die <laughs> yeah it's great it's a good moment uh, um and he reminds her he tells her in the movie too like go back to the spring and when yeah when um when you're ready safe. drink from it and yeah. we'll i'll come back for you yeah and he's like just go back and drink from it and i'll come back for you mm-hmm. and then you know the whole I, i'll love you forever um and so then, in the book, mm-hmm. this happens differently again. <laughs> yeah, so how's Winnie... the jailbreak in the book? <laughs> <laughs> so, Winnie goes back home, obviously, and she, you know, she has some time describing about how, like, um, oh, her family treats her differently. They're just so relieved she's back home, yeah. and yeah. she's like, "They didn't kidnap me. I went with them." And everyone's like, "Oh no, what? you silly child!" She's yeah, like, "No, they're you... my friends. I, I yeah. went with them." And they're just treating her like like she's gonna break. They're very nice to her, and they don't restrict her, which is kind of weird. Yeah, and they, I think they're and, like afraid that she's gonna run away again too. Right, so they're, so they're being really like, nice yeah, to her. Yeah, and um, so then she's out in her yard again, just kind of like she sees the the little frog. Oh my god, <laughs> the frog! I mean, comes I can't back. forget the toad, the yeah. the like frog toad, whatever. The lasting uh, imagery. Yeah, because she talks to it in the book too, and it mm-hmm. comes up a couple times. Um, but anyway, she's like out there. Right. And then Jesse shows up across the the fence from her, just like out in the wood. And they have a brief talk about like, oh, we got to get May. Um, it's just May in the, in the book that's in the, that's in the jail. And yes, she's going to hang. She's going to hang. They're really excited because they just got a gallows. And so the town's like, woo, we're going to use it. Hell yeah. (laughs) And so they're like, we got to get her out, but we got to figure out how to do it. And they come up with a plan that Winnie will, um, she will meet him again right outside the gate at midnight. Nice. And a she will take, yeah, she will take May's place in the jail cell. Um, and Miles has, they mentioned way earlier in the book that because he's been around for so long, he knows a bit of carpentry and he often works as a blacksmith when he needs to make money. 
So he can kind of, you know, figure out how to get the window out of the wall. So they're going to plan this, like, elaborate thing. This They're waiting so... for the storm. Like, I wasn't expecting <laughs> it, but this is so much more over the top than the movie. And you would, <laughs> you would think it would be the opposite. That two young boys drawing swords would be... <laughs> The, the as crazy as it gets but no they're gonna just blacksmith remove the window of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> i mean it's moments like this that you can see the wheels turning when people read the book and were like this is gonna be a great film <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so so they make this plan right that yeah, she's gonna yeah. get out of her house at midnight and um they're gonna go and you know take the, the window out so mm -hmm. midnight comes or she falls asleep for a little bit and she's like oh my gosh and it's like eleven fifty, and she's like oh okay yeah. and she's surprised that there's nobody up like making sure she doesn't leave again she was like it was surprisingly easy to leave my house so she gets out <laughs> into the road and she like the, she and jesse run and they run into town yeah. and tuck and miles are already there with their wagon covered you know with stuff and yeah. the horse is there and so the storm is just coming in, and they mm -hmm. use the the thunder to um, help when they're starting to, like, pull nice. the actual frame, the wooden frame out. Yeah. He waits, uh, Miles is waiting until the noise. And so they're, like, you know, they work it through. It's, like, three big tugs, and they finally get the frame out. And then May is, like, trying to climb out this window. They get her out, and she, like, tumbles to the ground, and there's all this noise from the storm. Mm -hmm. And then they quickly, like... Put, you know, Winnie goes through the window and... Uh, they, the old switcheroo. Like, yeah, she's just going to, like, lay there and cover herself up and bunch up, like, making herself look a little bigger. Mm -hmm. And they all, like, take turns, like, saying bye to her. And I, get, I think Tuck gives her, like, a kiss on the forehead. And yeah, it's very they're tender. They're just, like... Again, um, extremely yeah, it's tender. Very, it's not, very cute. They're just, like... Not romantic at all. There's no subtext. It's no, just... No, there's no romance. Yeah. Um, Jesse, yeah. Jesse just does say, hey remember that and yeah. oh when he sees her before the whole midnight talk mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he he brings a little box with a vial that has water from the spring yeah so he does give her a little vial and he's like here in, you go just, just in, case in case you want it yeah mm -hmm. so he gives it to her and she puts it away and you know when yeah. they're saying goodbye again everyone takes their little turns and she says that they put the frame back and then before she knows it they're gone and so she's like all right gotta finish out this like whole act so she, like, covers up, and she makes herself all bundled up, and she hears the constable come by one more time, and nothing happens. And she's like, oh, my goodness, it's like being a spy, you know? Yeah, um, this 10-year-old girl is just, <laughs> my goodness, spending a night in prison, huh? Yeah, she's yeah. afraid. She's afraid of, like, falling asleep, because what if she, like, what if she falls asleep, and the blanket comes off her, and they realize it too soon, and the yeah, tugs don't they... have enough time to get away? Yeah. She... She stays up and, like, apparently the next morning, you know, the constable's really upset and her parents were called and they were surprised that How... she did this, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess they got away. They somehow did the... They used their black magic switcheroo spells. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how... That's how the tux escape in yeah. the... In the book. <laughs> um, decidedly climactic, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and then... And so much know, more just... convoluted than just two boys with swords yeah. she tells us in in memory mm -hmm. it's maybe like two weeks later she recalls the whole like escape and she's yeah. you know telling us like how they they saw they saw her the next morning and everyone was upset and the the constable said that she got away um uh winnie doesn't get in trouble because she's so young but if she had been a little older 
Oh, this boy. would have been a really big problem. <laughs> then um, she would have hung. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, like, she would have been really in trouble. And mm-hmm. he's like, ugh, okay. She could only explain that she did what she did because the Tucks were her friends. And yeah. surprisingly, her parents accepted and understood that. They're um, um they're surprisingly chill in the book. <laughs> yeah. The movie paints them as you know, capitalists and uh and you know, town founders and so there's this heavy righteousness that they have uh, as like owners of the land and founders of the town and it's very severe. But the book it's more it's very much they're just relieved. Like she's 10 and her parents are just like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad you're safe." The kids in the town now see her like kind of like, "Wow, you did that!" But you renegade, you know? Yeah. Like, whoa! But she's still a little too out of their reach to like really become friends with her, and no. she just kind of thinks about like, "Oh well, you know, school's gonna start up soon, so maybe things will change. Maybe I'll have some more friends." Oh, that's and that's kind of like what she thinks. There yeah. is a a little bit more that happens, but I kind of wanna. Yeah. I think you should finish up the the movie, and then I'll finish up what happens in the book. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, we, after, as the wagon pulls away from the jail cell, we're met with another wonderful transition where the wagon is moving down main street and the camera sort of pans up and slowly, uh, the street transforms back into modern day. And there's a mo there's a fun moment where like a Honda Civic again, like drives by and it just becomes like a paved road and normal shops. And so we're back in the we're back in the the, the, the eras of the '90s, and the, f- the film is closing out, right? And so we revisit <laughs> Jesse on his motorcycle, and he looks I, he looks exactly the same, and he's coming up the lane to the old Foster house, and uh, and it's very tender. He he sort of you know meanders through the grounds a little bit, and he comes upon a, a headstone, and it's the headstone of Winnie. And she never did drink from from the spring, but she made sure that no one else found it. Jesse went by her house, but then they said they were going to meet at the spring if they would meet again. Yeah, um, yeah. And so he went to the spring, to the to the base of the tree, and in the movie, that's where they put her grave. That's where her grave is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she, but she made sure no one got to the water. She basically covers the the tree and, and plants, and the the well is is now hidden and gone and uh but she lives to be exactly a hundred years old which is a a point the movie reminds you know reminds you of (laughs) uh uh, and it's it's nice it's it's cute and it's sad and it's it's poignant and i I remember you know i'm glad that she didn't drink from the well and we sort of we're sort Mm -hmm. of met with a montage of her time spent with the tucks at the end and and it, and it, it harkens back to that conversation she and angus have on the boat and it's tender and it's it's poignant and it it makes me wish i'd seen this movie when i was younger because maybe i might have some (laughs) of the same feelings about it that yvette does and about the nature of death and and life itself it's extremely sweet film even for the differences it, it makes between the fit between that and the movie or that and the book and differences once again it has after winnie is just you know back home and she thinks about oh maybe i'll have in the book, maybe, you know, maybe I'll have some more friends when school starts and everything. Um, she's still sitting in her yard, as always, and the frog, the, the toad, comes back up, and she's, you know, still talking to it. It's sitting across the fence from her, and then a dog comes in from out of nowhere. 
and the dog starts barking at the toad. And Winnie, as a little 10-year-old, is like, hey, go away. Leave the toad. It's my toad. Leave the toad alone. Leave it alone. And the dog is like barking and barking at it. And I think it's coming to try to hurt the toad. And Winnie uh, reaches through the fence, picks up the toad finally, something that she thought to do other times that she never really had the courage to do. She picks it up and she puts it on her side of the fence and she's like, no, dog, it's my, it's my toad. You don't hurt it. And the dog, like, finally loses interest and, you know, walks away. And Winnie's looking at the toad and she's like, disgusted because it's a little slimy. And then she's like, hmm. She gets up and she runs in her house and she picks up the little box that she got from Jesse. And she comes back down. Uh, and much earlier in the book, she mentions that it was really hot and she sees the toad and she tells her grandma, like, oh, maybe we should put some water out. There's a little toad and I, I'm worried that it doesn't have enough to drink. And her grandma's like, that's not how toads get hydrated. They drink their water through their skin. And so Winnie thinks of this and picks up the little vial and pours the eternal water over the toad. And she says, there, now you're safe forever. My God. And it's, what a it's such a like... Yeah, it's such a kind of tender, cute, like, 10-year-old thing that she just was, like, gave it no real thought. She was like, I don't want this toad to be hurt. And she <laughs> thinks, if I if I change my mind, you know, if I want some later, I can always go get some. And so she gives this little vial to the toad, and the toad is just like, all right, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Time passes. We get a little um, mention of the tucks coming into town again, and it's been some time and so the tucks are like you know feeling a little weird when they come into town i think it's 1950 exactly actually um and they're just like all right it's just may and tuck with the same horse and their little wagon their dress is a little out of place but not too much they have a little conversation with this guy at like was a little like a little diner in town so may goes off to find some stuff like get a little couple of supplies and tuck starts walking around and he makes his way over to this little hill where there's a cemetery. And he walks over and he sees a headstone that reads, In loving memory, Winifred Foster Jackson, which is the same name in the movie. Mm -hmm. Dear wife, dear mother, 1870 to 1948. So, said Tuck to himself, two years. She's been gone two years. He stood up and looked around embarrassed, trying to clear the lump from his throat, but there was no one to see him. The cemetery was very quiet. In the branches of a willow behind him, a red-winged blackbird chirped. Tuck wiped his eyes hastily. Then he straightened his jacket again and drew up his hand in a brief salute. Good girl, he said aloud, and then he turned and left the cemetery walking quickly. And um, he meets up with May later, and they get back on their little wagon, and they don't really look at each other, but they start to get ready to go. And May just says, so she's gone then. And he said, yeah, yeah, she is. And they both just acknowledge like, okay, well, that's, that's good. And May says, well, all right, we should get going. Um, I guess there's really no, no reason for us to come back this way. And so they, they start riding on and a car passes by them. And Tuck says, oh, watch out for that toad in the road. And they stop on the side of the road, car passes, Toad's just sitting in the middle of the road, and Tuck goes to pick it up and, you know, moves it over to the side and gets back in the wagon with May, and he says, 
that dumb thing, like, what does it think? That it's going to live forever? And they just keep riding on. That toad that... is yearning for death. That's why it was in the road. <laughs> it's like Frogger. Yeah, that, yeah, that toad's playing real life Frogger. My goodness. Um, yeah, that, that's how the book ends. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I like the ending in the movie a bit better, to be honest. I like that. It, I like that it's Jesse, because it rounds out the romance. But apart from the romance, because in the in the book she's ten. Yeah. Lest we forget, it makes more sense that that it would be Tuck himself, and that you know the, the man who told her to live her life as full as she can is the one that sees her at the end. And that little salute is so it's so precious. That whole moment in the cemetery. I know. Yeah. It br- honestly, that breaks my heart as an adult. That breaks my heart. You know, where he's yeah. just like, and just the he, they a, a part of them hoped they hoped that they would see yeah. her. A little part of them did, and I know May May does say also, oh Jesse'll be sad. Yeah. Like he was looking forward to maybe seeing her again. Yeah, and then um on top of the whole like, well I guess there's no reason for us to come back here. It does my final thoughts, as we wrap this up. It does paint a um, a very poignant vision of life and death, as you were saying. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's very re- it's refreshing. I keep coming back to the, the to see, you know, immortality presented in a way that is more honest and and more two sided than just stupid vampires going to high school. And dumb shit like that. It really is. <laughs> it, it it frames it in the context of a whole life, and the good yeah. and the bad, and what we choose to do and what we don't, and and that idea of, you know, being on the river's edge, and but not being able to move forward, but still wanting to take part and living vicariously through the lives of the people you interact with. It's powerful, and it's honest, and it's great. Keenan, do you have a favorite? Uh, in general? Yeah, like, but the movie or the book? Oh, 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 the movie. <laughs> the movie for sure. The movie for sure. I, <laughs> yeah, no, the movie's great. The movie is timeless. Um, the movie is absolutely something. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, watch it with your kids. Watch it with your grandma. Watch it with your dog. It's just... <laughs> It's a timeless film, and watching the movie and then reading the book, it feels special. It has the energy of not realizing that the movie's based on a book. And then you find the book, and you read it, and it's it's just different enough, but it's still tender and sweet mm-hmm. and earnest that you're like, I, you're not disappointed. This isn't, yeah. this isn't one of those examples and i'm we're gonna have a lot of them in our podcast (laughs) where we you know we we, the movie does a bad thing (laughs) Uh, you know you could say what you want about the romance i think the romance is necessary for the plot of turning this book into a movie i think if it was beat for beat it would be a kind of boring film um but Mm -hmm. but have it in aging up winnie and creating uh, that that energy between her and Jesse, um, it cements 
the themes of the film or the the themes of the book into a more real, more relatable sense than just a 10 year old sort of chatting with a goofy family for a couple days and, (laughs) and then dying. It's not (laughs) it. Stuff like that works in the abstract uh, uh, between pages, but the film needs that, that touchstone of romance, I think to push it into the, into the, into what it is, which, which is a, a classic quite frankly. Um, but the book yeah. really feels like a hidden gem. Yeah. What about you? Favorites? God, they're so... Oh. It's the book for me. Mm. The book for me, completely. It had such an influence, clearly, on yeah. on my life. And I didn't realize it, like I said, until I reread it, um, like, a couple days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and... I see I see the movie and the and the book as almost their own things. I love both of them in their yeah. own ways. Like I said, I watched that movie so much, but I I think in rereading the book is extra special for me because tender yeah. is the best way to describe it. There's just so much innocence and and lighthearted magic to everything and <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Just, it's a it's tender. It is tender and it it gives that this what could be a very heavy, heavy-handed, like, theme of death and dying and confronting that and living life, you know, knowing that it's all going to end someday. It gives it this just very end-of-summer nostalgia. It just gives it yeah. this touch of, you know, the fireflies and, and everything. I don't know how else to explain it, but it just lays it out in this very nice, magical way. It's pastoral, right? Yeah. It's pastoral. It's, it, it's seasonal, and it, it's... It's very fresh and it's young. Mm. I mean, at the te- it's got a ten-year-old as its main character. <laughs> like, it's you're gonna love it. Yeah, it made it left me feeling very nice and warm. It's like a I good. I was just given um, a hug. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a good welcome to fall thing. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I, both the movie and the book have good fall energy, and that's not just because the the Tuck House is pure cottagecore. It's uh, <laughs> it's deeper than that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what I think. Uh, thank you. For listening we have a couple more of these lined up for you guys and we can't wait to share them with you if you want send us a message at breakfastpeoplepodcast at gmail.com yeah um you can always let us know like we said before if you want us to read or review something specific please let us know yeah uh, and speaking of reviews uh if you enjoy this and you have um you're listening somewhere that you can leave a review and rate us please do so yeah, um, absolutely. Like yeah. us on Spotify, follow us, ring <laughs> ring bells. Just ring bells in general. <laughs> we are in the process of starting uh, a Based on Books Instagram where you can contact us there. But until that happens, you can find me on Twitter at KeenanMF. But as always, keep on reading. And I, I've never said that before. But as always, <laughs> keep on reading. Don't ever stop. And also maybe watch some good TV. Uh, (laughs) And I'm going to say goodbye before I think of something else to say. So, goodbye. Goodbye.